And about six or eight months in, uh, I was I came home and and Pam and I were sitting down. She said, "Look, we got to talk." having trouble making the bills and all that. She's working. She's worked every day of her life too. And I was like, yeah, you know, it's been kind of fun, but I probably need to go back to the warehouse, do whatever, drive a Coke truck. I need a real job and talk to Taxi about it. He said, Hey, give me six months. He said, give me six months. We'll turn the corner on this thing. This segment of DOD TV is brought to you by Ram trucks, guts, glory, Ram. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Jury Outdoors 100% Wild Podcast, episode number 163, and today we're getting dirty with Cuz Strickland. That's right. You're Tim Chelsvik. I'm Matt Drury, and uh, it's going to be hard to top last week's podcast. We had the GOAT, Toxie Hayes on. Mm-hmm. We had Chris Mark. Chris Hawley. Yeah, Chris Hawley. We had Mark Terry. So it's going to be tough to top, but I think we got the right guy in the wings here waiting to jump in we do we got probably the nicest guy in the hunting industry overall we've got mr cuz strickland from mossy oak and the new uh the newly uh published podcast fistful of dirt what's up cuz welcome how you guys doing yeah i see y'all are six feet apart now i'm so tired of talking about that kind of stuff i could just I could just scream. Me and Cranky are so done with all of that down here. That's, that's right. We uh, When we first came back to the studio, we had to get our, our conference table, and he was at one end and I was at the other. But last week, we finally came back to the old faithful, the the junk desk we got sitting around yeah. the studio. I mean, we kind of missed each other, so it's nice yeah. now. I know what you had for breakfast. Uh. <laughs> but I think everyone's just fatigued by the hyper vigilance that we've had to have. And who knows? Yeah, right I mean, or wrong, I, I, but I'm not even getting into it because, you know, that that's a whole wormhole. We got better stuff to talk about. I want to talk about Cranky. I want to see how Cranky's been been doing here lately. Hey, Cranky's amazing. You know, we, we uh I have a little camper and they love to go camping and we, there was, everything was closed. So we, we pulled it up by the pond and I had them sitting around. We did all kinds of stuff. And I, I was been working on my dove field and I, I said, cranky, I said, is it too late for me to plant sunflowers? And he, he got into this deep thinking pose and he said, Pop, I think you're you'll be all right, but you need to get after it. <laughs> like, what get kind of seven year old answers you like that? He's just he tears me up, man. But anytime I throw something about uh, cranky on social media, he gets uh, he gets way more views. People people love him some cranky, buddy. I promise. You. I'm telling you, you can have a whole show Chronicles of Cranky, and I think it would outrank all of us. Hundred <laughs> percent. Absolutely. We went and picked up his. Uh, his infamous turkey, we named the devil the other day. And I did shoot some video around that. I hadn't posted it yet, but uh, proudly going to hang that up in his room. And he uh, he had a rough turkey season this year. He, he missed. And uh, we had that little 410 and mm-hmm. had his brother in the blind with me. Anyway, he had a, he had a tough turkey season, but, buddy, he stuck with it. He, he absolutely – Loves it and thinks he's got it totally figured out at the age of seven. Maybe he, he, he maybe does. <laughs> How was your season? My season was great. You know, I like 
you know, I, I had your dad on our new podcast, or I had your uncle on our new podcast the other day, Mark, and he was talking about how they prepared and quarantined and then met up, which I thought was the coolest idea. And uh, I just I just canceled all my trips, which were kind of video related and hunted around the house. And mm-hmm. I killed a couple of turkeys and took a couple of people. But my my the coolest thing ever happened is I had a turkey or two move in on our farm, which we've never had turkeys. It's it's just not conducive. But anyway, we had this turkey that showed up and I took Matt Cranky's older brother. We didn't kill him. And I took Cranky twice. And the turkey was gobbling and in a really bad place, and we didn't kill him. And they kind of gave up on him. They got to doing football and all kind of stuff. And I was sitting at home, and my wife was across in a lounge chair there, and the door was open. And uh, she said, I hear a turkey gobbling. And it was like 1 o'clock. I went, what? And sure enough, I got up. I put my Tetris in. I have to have these hearing aids now at my age. But anyway, I heard that turkey gobbling. I still had my stuff over there on the dining room table, man, I threw my clothes on and made a big button hook down there, killed that turkey in about 30 minutes. First 14 years I've been on that farm, that was turkey wow. number one. So nice. That, that was pretty incredible for me. And your wife got you out of the house to boot, so it's a, it's a win-win. <laughs> yeah, she was, she totally expected me to come back with it like it's no big deal. <laughs> and uh, we actually... Uh, had all the kids up. We ate that turkey. That I mean, that turkey went from over my shoulder to the grease in about three hours. That's it was cool. amazing. The little Crisco pond. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Release to the grease, babe. <laughs> I like that. You just you just got to be aware now. Like whenever you two start getting at odds with each other, she may say, "I think I hear a turkey goblin out there." <laughs> Get out of the house, please. <laughs> you know, it's, and it's amazing. You know, you talk about how blessed we are and we're all blessed. I mean, I mean, nobody's more blessed than the Drury household, but you think about what you, if your wife's not into hunting a lot, what they've had to put up with mine for 45 years. And, and your dad uh, or Mark had the greatest analogy. He said, like, what if they were like, all we did was sit around and they talked about shopping all the time. And we had to, you know, act like we were, fired up about shopping that's kind of what they've been through we'd be miserable yeah that sounds brutal (laughs) my wife is a saint she's put up with it for so long so yeah that was special she uh she took credit for locating that turkey (laughs) we probably need to wish everyone a happy belated father's day also because this show be will be rolling just right after father's day yeah do you guys have plans for the big day you know, we did uh, our Father's Day uh, this weekend. Uh, my oldest daughter, Amy, her son's going to be in a big baseball tournament. They're mm-hmm. doing their coming out. Good for them, too. But uh, she said, team's pretty good. I think we'll roll it into Sunday. And she said, well, let's just do Father's Day Saturday. We had the best day ever. I had my whole crew out there, and uh I had my Blackstone griddle basically going all day, and I cooked a Boston bud on the smoker, and they went swimming. That's actually when Cranky had his his major accident on his bicycles that day. They were riding bicycles back and forth. And uh, as they, everybody was leaving, I turned to my wife, and I said, you know what, that was the best day ever. Mm-hmm. And I looked up, I hope my dad saw it, because – I lost my dad about, you know, 20 years ago or 25 years ago, and he didn't get to see the, 
you know, the cuz and the mossy oak deal and all that. And he was a big hunter and fisherman. So uh, I feel like he was looking down going, good job. <laughs> nice. You know, I, I kind of feel the same way about my dad. He, he was there as I got into doing outdoor media stuff and, 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 and was around while I was freelancing for Drury Outdoors, but never got to see me step into a full-time role here. And he did see one hunt I did on TV for another show a few years ago, but, but he, he hasn't got to see the, the culmination of all this. And I, I always kind of think like, I'm sure he knows that, that I'm doing this. I'm sure he's super proud, but I still catch myself trying to call him, you know, I, I just talked to a buddy yesterday who lost his dad a few weeks ago. And my friend's in his fifties and his dad was in his seventies. And he, and he said the same thing. He's like, I keep trying to call him just out of force of habit. I just keep, you know, wanting to say, Hey, looking at a few bucks off my back porch right now. And you just can't. So father's day is kind of a, it's a mixed bag for a lot of people, their fathers, you know, they may have their fathers here with them or maybe not. And so it's, it's a real mix of emotion when that day comes around. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's one of those times dads, it's an interesting dynamic because dads may get a tough break from their family in a lot of ways. Like, you know, because you're the, a lot of times you're the hard edge yeah, and and mom's the soft pillow, (laughs) you know, and, and, uh, you know, anytime something goes down at our house, they're running to mom, you know, and it's like, and a lot of times they may be saying like, Hey, don't tell dad, (laughs) (laughs) you know what I mean? But, but the, the, the good part about father's day is once it rolls around everybody, you know, you're getting all the love for there's Mm -hmm. one good day for you in there and you just got to soak it up the best you can. The, the, one of the, one of the songs that always kills me is the old Holly Dunn song uh daddy's hands mm. uh, that just as, as a kid i thought that song was cool but now as a father myself it's uh it, it, with a daughter and a son but it, you know the song is written from a daughter's perspective yeah. it's just it's killer well that's just as emotional Matt, you as kinda, you get, Matt hits a lottery with father's day as far as i'm concerned that's hey. right i got yeah i got mark talking about terry on the pod my podcast the other day and he got a little emotional talking about their relationship and how it got better. You know, as they got older, it was just a fantastic conversation. I hope you guys listen to that. We will. We'll, we'll link it up in the show notes. If you have a, a link you could send us, we'll, we'll put it in the show notes so people could go over and check it out. But uh, I, it, you know, to kind of turn to a funny aspect of this, we get a lot of trade shows, people like not people in the industry, but like if, if you know, somebody like a, a fan or something comes up there, they'll say something like, Oh, your dad to Mark. They'll talk about Terry, like Terry's Mark's dad. Oh, <laughs> it's the, it, we, Mark just rolls dude, with it. We, probably. we love it. And then the other day, my, my daughter Lola was talking to my mom, he calls her Mimi. And she was like, Mimi, where's, where's your dad? Where's your dad at? And, um, she wasn't referencing my mom's actual father who passed away before I was born. Even she was referencing Terry. Oh, <laughs> <no. was> like, <laughs> Where's your dad at Mimi? <laughs> and Willow was probably eating. Oh, that yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So dad gets a bad rap because he's got that. We call him the silver Fox. He's got that uh-huh. white hair and it's only it getting whiter. Yeah. He, and he has for a while. And, uh, and so everybody thinks he's everybody's grandpa, <laughs> the patriarch of the the tree yeah, outdoors right, that's team. That's right. So, <laughs> he, well, so he, he, he he's actually probably the nicest guy in the whole business. <laughs> if you just knew everybody, I heard you reference me as that, but 
Terry's one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. Like I said, you hit the lottery on Father's Day. So very fortunate. Yeah, he's a great guy. Yeah. So, cause you mentioned your podcast and, and I, I, I've been listening for a little while now. And, um, uh, first off, I, my, my take on it is that there's no shortage of podcasts to talk about strategies and techniques and the, the sheer data, the information. But one of the things I really appreciate about your show is you delve into the heart of who these people are kind of behind, behind the scenes and you really get a better appreciation for the people and the connections and the relationship. Talk a little bit about why, what got you interested in starting a podcast and what your mission is there. Well, you know, Chris Holly and Toxie, you know, they, they've been talking about a podcast. We try to stay up on good vehicles to deliver messaging and marketing and all that. And that was one area we were liking in. And Chris Holly said, I want to do, a podcast brought to you by Mossy Oak Properties. And he said, I want you to host it. And I'm, you know, my first thought was, golly, man, I don't need anything else to do. That's a lot of work, as you guys well know. But anyway, I told Chris, I said, you know, my youngest daughter, Lauren, produces the podcast. Very, very proud of the quality of that podcast. But that's her thing. She loves podcasts and she's just crazy about making sure everything's just right. But I told Chris, I said, look, I, I got no interest in talking about how to buy land, how to find land, you know, all the stuff that comes along with that. I said, to me, what you got to do is make the podcast popular and then let's do a commercial or two inside for Mossy Oak Properties. But it's got to be entertaining. And I, I'm, not a, I'm not a factual, uh, tactical kind of guy. What's always fascinated me is stories. You know, my favorite show used to be, it came on one of the major networks, you know, 40 years ago, but a guy, it came on Sunday mornings, a guy would throw a dart at the U.S. map, and then he would go to that city or town, Hmm. and he would go to a phone booth and just open it up blindly, and boom, he would pick a name out of there. He'd go to that house and find out what their story was. Everybody's (laughs) got a story, and... Who better to tell stories than some of the guys we've had on here? Mark Drury, you know, Ted Nugent, Toxie Hayes. I mean, I've had 15, I think, so far. I did one that I, that went, uh, Lauren uploaded yesterday with Hank Parker. Back-to-back Bassmaster Classics. And, the whole, and, I mean, he's just known for fishing. He's a professional fisherman. You know, I was over an hour into that podcast before I asked him one question about fishing because the story there was to me was when he won that second Bassmaster Classic, he just walked away from the, from the circuit so he could spend more time with his family. Mm. I mean, who does that? I mean, at your peak, at your prime, he kind of he, – he just laid it down and I was like – that's all you need to know about Hank Parker, you know? So I told Chris, uh, just like when we had uh, Mark Drury on here, we were way into that before I asked him, I finally asked him like, okay, if you could only plant one thing, what would it be? (laughs) Sure. But up to that point, we talked about uh, his college days and why he was so determined to get in the business. And he talked about Taylor and he talked about his wife and he, 
it was just great stuff. And that's what I like to bring out of people. And uh, I think, Tim, you're right. There's so many out there on how to do this and how to do that. Sometimes people just like a good story and a little behind the scenes. And I think that's what I'm better at. So, And I think guests probably appreciate talking about those things because there's, I mean, the podcast circuit, everyone's having everyone else on and you end up talking about the same things. Yeah. And it's always the tips and tactics stuff, but it's probably a little refreshing for them to get to tell their personal stories. Story, storytelling, you can never go wrong with a good storyteller. and. You know, somebody that can paint, you know, because this medium, you know, people listening, of course, we they can watch it on, on the video side of the podcast. But by and large, you know, it's made for people just listening, right. you know, driving somewhere, trying to, you know, get, kind of waste some time, you know, whatever, running, you know, mowing the yard, whatever it may be. And you can get sucked into a story. And before you know it, 45 minutes goes by and and it's like, damn, I just went through this whole thing and yeah. I finished whatever I was doing. And, you know, I'm, you know, there might be 15 minutes left of the podcast. And I, I want to continue to listen. That's when you know you got something special because storytelling can suck somebody in like that. Right. And, um, that, that's, you know, cause has always been a great storyteller. You, you guys have been telling stories, you know, hunting the country has been telling stories for decades. You know, that's your bread and butter really. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I had a, uh, and I, I may have said this on uh, being up there with you guys before, but back in the day when Hunting the Country was on TNN, the national network, which oh, was gigantic TNN. back then, it was only, it had NASCAR and country music and hunting and fishing and all Yeehaw. that stuff. And then we left and went to ESPN, TNN went away. And I was up there at a producer's meeting, there wasn't but four or five of us, so wasn't many shows. And those guys were looking at me trying to explain TV production. And they were, I know what they were saying is that guy don't know anything about TV. And I was looking at them going, they don't know anything about hunting. And we were both 100% correct. <laughs> but at some point, some point in that meeting, the guy that was running kind of slammed his fist down at the table. And he's like, hey, give me a reason to root for the guy. Said the show starts every time you're already in the tree or in the blind and stuff. He said, look. Great cinematography, pretty stuff, and good stories will never go out of style. And you know what? He was right. And that was 30-something years ago. And stories, I don't care if you're 8 or 18 or 80. It's just like Matt said. That, that It just doesn't go out of style. People will draw you in. And, and I found people really can get comfortable talking. They love to talk about themselves. And I don't do a whole lot of research before I have a legal pad and I'll, I'll scratch down some interesting points. But once you get people talking about themselves, you'll find out really quick, hey, was it his dad or his mom? Maybe it was their grandpa who inspired you. I, I love people to talk about what inspired them. And uh, that's uh, to me, we need more of that kind of stuff right now than less of it. So, and, and Matt, you may know this. But last week when we had Toxie and Chris on, Toxie was talking about the origins of Mossy Oak. And he he credited it to the people that he had surrounded himself with. And he mentioned you, Cuz, as one of those influential people that really that really helped him get going in, in that direction. I'm I would love to hear the story of how you and Toxie met up and how that partnership started. It was uh 
it was something, you know, I, I was born and raised in a outdoors family. My dad was a big fisherman. I was telling this story to Hank Parker. My dad was the best fisherman I ever knew. It didn't have a boat. We were always bank fishing mm-hmm. at a pond or something. But anyway, it was kind of a military background and all that kind of stuff. And anyway, I ended up in, uh, I was working at a sporting goods store, kind of part-time at the time, rigging bows, because that was a big deal back then. Wasn't many people could rig a bow out. And uh, the guy who owned the sporting goods store asked me to go to the shot show because back then they didn't have a separate ATA show. This okay. was probably before both of you were born. But anyway, I was going to the shot show to buy archery stuff for the couple of sporting goods stores. And I took my wife, took Pam, and she kind of went her way. And I was going to the hardcore archery stuff. And she came and got me. She said, there's a couple of guys. They were like down in the basement. I think think the shot show was in Houston that year somewhere. And she said they're from Mississippi and they have a camel pattern. So my wife actually found the Mossy Oak. Toxie's first show ever had a tiny little 10-foot table down in the dungeon of this building, <laughs> had a giant concrete column wrapped in mossy oak. And I said, well, take me down there. And so she did. And we went down there. And from 50 feet away, I was looking at that bottom land pattern going, wow, man, that would be cool in the turkey woods. Yeah. So anyway, we went up and I introduced myself. And it was Toxie and Bill Sugg, you know, one and two, first guy and then the first employee. <clears throat> Had a great visit, and I looked at the stuff. And long story short, I went back home, and I knew all the sporting goods dealers within, you know, 200 miles, and I was calling them saying, hey, you need to get some of this stuff. Uh And I went as far as to go take pictures of whoever, my friends out in the woods in this camo, and they were just disappearing. And I built a little network, and then guys were ordering Mossy Oak because it was new. Mm -hmm. And it was a dealer item. And Toxie called me one day. He said, he said, he called me Ronnie, I think, at the time. But he said, hey, you're selling more than I am. <laughs> you got to come to work for us. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, I went up to West Point and we sat down and talked for a while. And I kind of went to work for him. And it was like no promises, no, you know, no mission statement. I believed in it. And, uh, you know, looking back, it's not like, Hey, I'm going to get in on the ground floor of this giant company because it was still up in the air if it was going to make it. What did your wife think? That that seems like kind of a risky move for your family. Hey, look, I I left a job one time to go film turkey hunts for (laughs) Will Primos in a 1983 Delta 88. We called the tank for like a hundred bucks a week. So she. She was used to your shenanigans. (laughs) She was used to it. This wasn't a big deal to her. And I will say this. At some point, you know, we were just struggling. It was like Bill Sugg had all of Mississippi. That was his sales territory. Uh Bob Dixon, God rest his soul. He had Alabama. Well, I kind of had everything else. And nobody knew what Mossy Oak was back then, you know. Nowadays, you could walk in with a sign around your neck says, I have Mossy Oak. Boom, you're in. It wasn't like that back then, and we struggled. And about six or eight months in, uh, I was I came home, and, and Pam and I were sitting there, and she said, look, we got to talk. Having trouble making the bills and all that. She's working. She's worked every day of her life, too. And I was like, yeah. 
you know, it's been kind of fun, but I probably need to go back to the warehouse, do whatever, drive a Coke truck. I need a real job and talk to Taxi about it. He said, hey, give me six months. He said, give me six months. We'll turn the corner on this thing. And I'm telling you, right at, toward the end of that six-month thing is when Browning came on board. And we were the official camouflage of Browning. Wow. And you can imagine what happened after that. It was like divine intervention. Guys like, okay, I'm, y'all been beat up enough. And uh, things kind of took off, you know, and things got good. And But we just worked hard. And, you know, you did what you had to do. You, you did what was in front of you. And I've, I've, I, t- I t- told the story the other day, we used to have contests, me and Bob and Bill, uh, who stayed in the cheapest motel while we were on the road. And uh, I never lost that. I told Hank Parker I stayed in a motel in Yeehaw Junction, Florida for $9. The reason it was $9, I went in and I said, they had a sign outside, I said, room's $10. And I walked in, I said, a room's $10? He said, okay, nine. <laughs> Like, like it was a negotiation or something. <laughs> the bed bugs are extra. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but, you know, back in the day, we were just doing what we had to do. Nobody, there was no hunting industry back yeah. then. Yeah. We kind of we all built this together. That's you right. Know, Mark and Terry and all that had a part of that, and Harold and David and, you know, whoever. Well, it, yeah. It, it all just, boom, it kind of happened. Which makes it that much sketchier of a proposition for an individual to to tell come home and tell their wife like hey I think I'm going to chase my dream and try to get into this thing that doesn't exist yeah. Yeah, they're like you sound like you're selling magic beans right now yeah. and I don't think that's a thing what year did what year did that browning deal hit for you guys I think yeah I'm I'm, I'm gonna assume it was probably around eighty nine something like that yeah yeah, yeah Taxi started in uh, Taxi Incorporated I think in uh, eighty six probably. 87 or 80, you know, maybe December of 86 mm-hmm. or 87. I went to work for him like six months after that. And um, we were just literally selling clothes. Yeah. And, you know, Bill Sugg was kind of in charge of all that production and stuff. And we would have our samples in the trunk. And I can remember stopping at a payphone and, and, because oh, they didn't have cell phones back then. And I would call Toxie, dude, I just sold $280. You're kidding. No, it, it was that, that it was that much of a struggle. And Bill Sugg was deep into buttons and zippers and all that kind of stuff. It was, it was nothing short of miraculous how it all took place. But, you know, again, divine intervention. Well, it's it's one of those true American success yeah. stories. You know, you love to hear about these American companies, American made, you know, and 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 Just grinding it out. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and you mentioned it that the industry didn't exist back then. And a lot of people always ask us, like, okay, I want to get into this industry. How would you go about it? And Mark, Mark and Terry both always say, like, hey, if we didn't start when we did, I don't know that we would want to get into the industry because it's so tough to do now. Yeah, you know, we, they were fortunate in the fact fact that they got in when they did and and much like what what you're saying because they just grinded it out literally all through late 80s and, and through the entire 90s mm-hmm. to really get a break you know and, and one of those breaks everybody always wants to know how you how you make it you got to get a break somewhere along the way 
And I think our first break was Mark meeting Toxie, you know, sure. and setting us down on, on down the path. But you could look through a company's history, probably any company out there, and you could look through their history and pinpoint certain just mm-hmm. divine intervention. Yeah, watershed moment. And certain areas of their company's history that say this is when it really took hold for us. And it's it's always I'm always fascinated to hear these stories. Well, and and as a as a business owner, you know, from Toxie's perspective. Offering someone a job, saying "Come work for me," I'm I'm going to you know pay you some type of wage that hopefully your family can live on. Yeah, like that. That's that's a lot of pressure to 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 have something that you can provide for yeah. these people. It's a big responsibility as a business owner. Yeah, a lot too. of weight on your shoulders. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, taxi was uh he was so focused and so passionate. He would just, he just kind of brought you in, you know, plus I had been bitten by that hunting bug anyway. So, you know, failure wasn't an option, never really thought about it. And, uh, it was, I would hate to be doing it today, starting over today. It's a different marketplace. People are different and all that. Uh, but back then it was just, uh, it was a wild ride and I was so blessed. You know, I met, you know, Will Primos and Toxie Hayes and people like that. And I got to see Mark when he was just still, he, Mark was actually still in college when I met him. And he actually rode with me some because he was figuring out what he was going to do. Uh, but, you know, people like Mark and, and Terry, and Toxie and Will Primos, those guys, they had that vision early on. That's a, that's a gift right there when you can see it at a young age. A lot of people can see it when they get older. But when you got those blinders on at that young age, that's what separates you know, the winners to me from the, the also rands, you know, I should backtrack because you, you reminded me there. You're actually the, the first watershed moment, because I believe you're one of the reasons you and Preston Pittman that mm-hmm. Mark and Toxie even met. Correct. Yep. I took Mark, I introduced Mark to Toxie and I, I was, I was such a big Mark fan. I, I saw him back when he was, you know, the Turkey calling circuit and I've never seen anybody that talented, you know, he, he win the world natural voice thing, like with no calls, which was what, that's what it was. He won it like three times. And it was like, nobody was coming back to it. If Mark was coming, cause he was so far, but it wasn't just that it was how he conducted himself, how focused he was. Yeah. And he was just a very unique individual. I told Tyson, we need to, and, and we did. We hired him for a while, and he kind of worked for our rep group to get his feet wet. Now, he wasn't there long because his visions were way down the road. But, again, it's like those visionary people, man, sometimes they just they just know. So, uh, yeah, watching all that come up, it was uh, it's like I've had the best seat in the house. You know, I, I worked hard, and we all did. But uh, just being able to sit back and watch that, Man, that's that's been a treat right there. Well, I know you've got a lot of a lot of work ahead of you, cause and especially with the podcast, that's a new adventure. As you look back, what do you want your legacy to be? What do you want people to associate you with in terms of you know the hunting industry, your personality, that kind of thing? You you know I don't I, I just you just don't spend time thinking about that. But as I get older. You know, I, I want to be, I, I'm, I'm real proud, and I think I've done this, of, of not only 
accepting but embracing the next wave of younger people. So, so many guys my age are like, oh, I ain't, I'm not doing that. I ain't getting on Facebook or I ain't going to hunt like that. No. But to me, it's like, you know, I've learned so much. Like, man, I learned how to get on Instagram from my granddaughter. It's like, look how much social media we do. So my focus right now is how can we help the next wave coming up? Because they're going to have a tougher hill to climb than we did. They got so much negative stuff they have to deal with that's uh that we never had to deal with so i want to be like i want i don't want to say the old cool guy but i want to be the old guy that that helps yeah you know it's, there's so many young kids out there like uh, that hunting public bunch i, I love those guys because they they're reaching hunters that we might not necessarily reach and i reached out to them and they're not by themselves but uh I'd love to keep keep them from getting their nose bloodied like we did all the time. I mean, I did so many wrong things and did this wrong and did that wrong. And it's like, if I can offer them any advice, I'll, I'm certainly going to do that. But uh, that's a pretty good combination when you get the Silver Fox age group <laughs> like Terry and you guys and everybody kind of gets together. Man, that's a force right there. Well, I think that's you guys got all the knowledge you know and and i think if if our age demo and and younger obviously are are have any sense up here we're trying to kind of get any piece of information we can from you guys and learn along the way because like you said you've you you all have succeeded but you made a lot of mistakes along the way there's a lot to be learned there and i think that's really been mark and terry's strategy all along is like hey how can we help our audience learn from our mistakes and uh i think that's why people have gravitated towards their brand and you know as someone who's trying to figure it out now in my late 30s and trying to become a a better more well-rounded hunter it's like all right I'm picking up more and more things from guys like you and them and, you know, whoever that that's like, okay, I never really thought about it like that before. Or, oh, that makes perfect sense. You know, it's kind of a light bulb now. Sure. You know, you have but, a little more humility at this point in your life yeah. probably than you did maybe in your twenties. Yeah. When you knew everything in right. your twenties, but I really to read nothing. The directions. <laughs> so I, I, I just love listening to you guys because it's something that you could always take something away from it, whether it's business, whether it's hunting, whether it's strategy, whatever, there's always something you can learn. Hundred percent. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it was like when I was coming up and got involved with Toxinim, all of a sudden I'm doing things I wasn't comfortable with, you know, public speaking, all kinds of stuff. But I learned, and then you're in charge of the outdoor press, <laughs> and uh, I probably told you that story about PR. Toxie gave me this spiel for about forty five minutes about PR, and like you're the guy, you got to handle this, and this is what we're gonna do. And I said. Cool. What's PR stand for? I, mean, I, I didn't even have a clue, but it, we ended up building one of the best outdoor rider networks ever. And the way we did that was through relationships. I would bring those guys to my house and we would hunt for three or four days. My wife would be there cooking supper and my girls, Lauren and Amy would be, Hey, here's my coloring book. It was all about relationships. And in the end, I don't care how much social media you do. I don't care how good your sales service is. Relationships make a difference. Yeah. And that's the way I always looked at the camo business. It's like, you know what? 
if both patterns, there was two big patterns all the time, but it's like, if it comes down to pattern A and pattern B, if I got the best relationship with the buyer, maybe I get the business. And uh, the relationship deal is a big deal. I can remember not long ago, we were getting ready for a, a really big meeting, going over notes, and there were some younger people in there. And everybody was, they were kind of making their, getting ready to do their presentation. And Toxie asked me, said, did, did y'all talk to the CEO? We make sure he's going to be in on the meeting. And some of the young people just kind of looked at each other. So I picked up my phone and I called and put him on speaker, called the CEO. Had a great conversation. Yeah, I'm going to be here. We're having barbecue. Okay. You know, and just set the phone down, kind of to make a point. Call him. Talk yeah. to the CEO. Have a relationship. Man, there's nothing wrong with picking up the phone and calling somebody or answering a voicemail or an email or whatever it is. Uh, and I always encourage the younger people to do that. What that does is it separates you from 80, 90% of what's out there. Because a lot of them don't learn that. They learn, they get all their education in college, and that's fine. But, man, if you can give yourself an edge with a relationship and be that outgoing person that the guy can depend on, you're the go-to person, you have separated yourself from the pack. You got that right. Be of service. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and cause you can, I mean, you've lived this clearly because this is your, this is your brand but being genuine with people because people can sniff out if you're entering yeah. into a transactional relationship just because you want something or you want to achieve oh, yeah. something because there's no shortage of people, especially in, in this industry, but in life in general, that just see you as, okay, what what function can you, what can you do for me? Yeah. I'll use that up and then I'll move on to the next thing and the next thing. And that just, that wears thin pretty quick and yeah. you get a reputation for it. Yeah, in our industry, if you get a, a if your name hasn't a bad connotation next to it. It kind of follows you. You don't usually last that long in in our world. And so you got to be pretty genuine. And, and, and and I think our little community is small enough that generally speaking, we're all trying to help each other out Mm -hmm. to the best of our abilities. Yeah, agreed. You know, Hey, you know, I just, we just got a text from, from Rob Keck, you know, Mark and I, and it's like, Hey, I got a guy that you know, I was looking for, for work and he's, you know, he's great. Here's his resume. Here's his reel, you know, and he's it's th- looking to be the editor in chief of DeerCast. Yes. You got any openings? <laughs> so, you know, it's one of those deals. You're fired. Deals where, you know, we, we, we may not have an opening, but you're going to take a serious look because of a relationship with Rob. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And something may happen in the future and you just, you can help people network. Yeah. So, so. that's the, that, that, and the other aspect of the hunting industry that I, I love is it's countercultural because right now we live in a culture of identity politics. Well, you are in the 60 to 65 demo and you are in this and people are broken down by these traits that they didn't choose, but the hunting, the hunting community is so like age, age doesn't matter. Like, like we actually have connections. I think in general, people are, people try to split people up into groups, but the hunting community is very much cross age, cross demographic, and that you can share information with people who are younger or older than or learn from people who are older than you. And we need that kind of community. And it's, it's, it's disappearing across our landscape as people continue to try to divide us. 
Amen. I mean, it's it's hard enough to communicate. <clears throat> Once you get my age and Terry's age, you can kind of say what you need to say. You know, the ramifications may not be that bad. You nailed that with Terry. <laughs> <laughs> Terry I know Terry will tell you what he thinks, That's and sometimes right. I will too. Uh, but, you know, it's uh, you're right. I, I saw an article this morning. Um, I don't say an article. I was reading something on my phone, but it was about, uh, a big archery organization getting really mad about the crossbow issue again. And I'm like, really guys, At this are you point? kidding me? <laughs> you know, we, we need everybody we can get. Well, I don't, I don't care what you use. If it's legal and you bought a hunting license, we're, we're on the same team. Get, and so you, you still have to overcome a little bit of that, mm-hmm. but you know, my deal is right now, the numbers are, continuously dropping, 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 depending on what category you're looking at. So, you know, what us old guys have done up to this point ain't necessarily the answer because, it, you know, it's not like on an upward trend, it's level to low. So I'm open to any kind of ideas, but it's uh, it's the younger generation has more vehicles and can reach more people instantly. You guys can reach more to people on that deer cast than I would reach over the hunting the country episode like five weeks in a row. And it's like, you just do it like that. It would take somebody my age to appreciate how powerful that is, which, which comes with uh, a little bit of responsibility. That's another reason I'm a big Drury Outdoors fan. You guys always do stuff the right way. You know, it's tag, it's fair, it's everything is on the up and up. And that's the kind of the downside to social media is instantly everybody knows whatever it is. So you got to be careful with that. But it's uh, y'all are taking over in unique times. So whatever we can do to make it better, I think we owe that. Yeah. Well, speaking of helping people out, why don't we help out our buddy Luke Long uh, from Northwest Missouri with our question of the day? Yeah, the question of the day is proudly brought to you by Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's. Your adventure starts here. Hey, guys, my name is Luke Long, and I'm from North Central Missouri, and I've got a question about starting a co-op amongst the hunters of our neighboring properties. Personally, I hunt on three or four small tracts of land ranging between 20 and 40 acres, all in the same area. For years, they have produced great deer, but rarely do we see deer reach five years of age and beyond. I'm interested in some tips or ideas for potentially reaching out to the surrounding landowners, probably about 10 guys, and come up with some agreements on managing our deer herd. Some of my concerns would be who's in charge, do you share trail camera pictures, do you talk about individual deer, do we harvest does since herd numbers are way down due to EHD. There are a lot of questions to be asked but i just wanted some professional opinions on this idea i appreciate you guys and all that you do for the hunting industry thanks for your help so matt try to make fun of luke for that question no i think luke did a great job i think he was prepared he was ready ready to roll i'm i'm team luke (laughs) because what do you think he's he's got a uh, a noteworthy cause here trying to almost create a co-op there well i got two words for luke boston butt now that may sound you may think I'm, I'm nuts, tracking. I'm tracking with you. Here's 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 what Luke needs to do. And I'm telling you, it goes back to that relationship thing. You can buy a 20-pound Boston butt for $18 right now, feed 50 people. 
if he can find somebody to smoke that thing, he needs to have a gathering, a very low key gathering. And he's got to find out who all he go to that landowner. Hey, I want your wife and your kids. We're going to have a barbecue over at my place and not have a whiteboard out there with notes and all. Just kind of let's get to know everybody. Let's see what's going on. Kind of fill everybody out. Let me have your cell phone number, but do it over breaking bread and kind of see what everybody's about. I guarantee you I could have his co- his landowners in a co-op in one evening <laughs> if I was up there. I've kind of had to do it where I'm at, but and it doesn't cost a fortune. You can make two or three big jugs of sweet tea, smoke a pork butt, get some white bread, and they'll be talking about that forever, and they'll say, that first thing is they're going to say Luke's a good guy. Yeah. I think we should listen to it. Hey, that's my take. So it's funny you say that because the very first thing I wrote down is that I would have a party. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. We're we're on the same team here. Boston Buster. Yeah, yeah. And then like you said, once you get rolling and you kind of get you kind of get to know each other and you you start forming some opinions, I think, and then you get together and start really trying to hash out, okay, what, what's this thing look like? Yeah. You know, you, you know, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes a little time, but generally speaking, I think, you know, I, I, I think a lot of people are, are wanting to try to manage their property more and more these days, mm-hmm. you know, more so than, than not. Everybody's right. got a neighbor that doesn't want to be a part of it and they'll shoot everything the wall. That's just part of it. Yeah. You got to deal with it. And maybe that's, maybe you adjust your tactics because of that. But I think by and large, you'd get more people on board than you would not. And I'd take the same strategy that Cuz is saying here. Yeah. I mean, just just think of it from your perspective. What if someone came over and told you what to do with a deer on your land? Just you wouldn't like it. Knocked on your front door and said, hey, don't shoot anything yeah. under four years old. Yeah. yeah. Like, okay. I might do it just to spite you now. <laughs> I'm sit on this line right, <laughs> right here. Right. Yeah. So you can only really control yourself, but you start influencing people with yeah. uh, when you don't just jump right in there. That's uh, delicious advice. Absolutely. Delicious advice. Luke, take that and run with it. You'll be very successful. <laughs> if uh, if you have a question that you'd like us to answer on the show, just go, go to DuryOutdoors.com slash podcast and click the send voicemail button. Yeah, the link is in the, in the DeerCast uh, uh, feed item, or if you're watching this on YouTube, the link will be there. Uh, but anywhere you get your podcast, you can just click the link and, and leave us a voicemail. Make it as pithy and short and brief as possible. Team Luke. Be Team Luke. Be Luke. And in general, I, j- I just want to say, sh- share with your friends. You know, share the message about the podcast. We're trying to continue to grow it, obviously, and, and get new listeners aboard. And, you know, we've done it three, four years now. I think we're, we've built a good audience, but I'm always trying to bring new people into the fold here and, and get some new questions, new ideas. And yeah, we're always right. evolving. So Yeah, the, the, the tree saddle piece was, was a great example of talking about something that we didn't have any any personal experience with but it's it's a real trend and so like yeah. we we want to continue bringing in these at one point everything is a fringe element right i yeah. mean at one point something is new and you got to bring it in and it, you know if if it's good then it'll stick around and it'll become part of the canon of of whitetail hunting if it's not it just gets you know it gets forgotten. Yep. A scrap heap of hunting like, history. Like us. <laughs> like the Wildlife Word segment. That's right. Let's hit it. Because you're in for a real treat coming up right here. Wildlife Word of the Day. Let's hear it, Tim. Someone, some, I have to say, someone on on our iTunes reviews left a review that said, awesome podcast. 
the wildlife ward segment is a waste. <laughs> Stop doing it. Hey, so, so he's team. Of, he's team Matt. Yeah, <laughs> I would agree, but we do it anyways. We're do it anyways. <laughs> so this week's wildlife word is mobbing. 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 M o b b i n g. That's right. If you were spelling bee, you would have won. <laughs> would you please use it in a sentence? No, because do you know this one? It's a wildlife well, word, mobbing. Yeah, I, I think I've been seeing a lot of that on the news lately. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to say I probably don't have a clue what that is. There are multiple definitions. When it, when it comes to wildlife. He's going to give us multiple choice here, I think. Yep. yep. So A is, is, is mobbing A when smaller birds fly around, dive bomb, and or poop on larger predatory birds. B, when multiple scavenger species consume deer eggs in the nest. C, the term for a spawning school of grass carp. Or D, a phenomenon from the 1990s occurring whenever new shipments of Beanie Babies arrived at retailers. I'm going with A because you use the word poop and my son and daughter talk about poop all the time. So I'm going with A. (laughs) How about you, Gus? I'm, I'm going with B. That sounded scientific. <laughs> yeah. Tim read it, so See, I'm going with that's usually a trick. <laughs> yeah, these are these are these are tricksy questions. I, I approached it how I used to approach school. <laughs> sure, yeah. Hey, the word poops in this one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going with a. What school did you go to? <laughs> a shitty one. <laughs> okay, so it is actually a when smaller birds fly around, dive bomb, and or poop on larger larger predatory birds. But I would have also accepted D. The Beanie Baby. Hey, you can never go wrong following the word poop. (laughs) (laughs) Just ask my son. Well, so so you guys have probably seen this, but you see a hawk or even a crow flying around, and then they've got this little like sparrow or or some other smaller bird dive bombing them and flying around. It's always it always amazes me a smaller bird going after them like that. Yeah, but a lot of times they're trying to keep them away from their nest, or they're trying to pester them away from food or something. So mobbing. Well, I learned something. See, there you go. You can learn a lot from younger people. You just got to have, got to have your ears open. That's all. Tim's actually an old soul. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just like he referenced that song from, I don't know what era. <laughs> Daddy's hands. Oh no. I know what okay. you're talking about, okay. but you knew it yeah. very well. The I name listened to of the it lady. just a few days ago. <laughs> okay. And I will. I'm sure from a CD, didn't you? <laughs> A USB stick. Okay. So I'm not that old. That's still pretty old. <laughs> well, if, if you they have ha- streaming music now, Tim. <laughs> really? Yes. Uh, so if you haven't yet, check out Cuz's new podcast, Fistful of Dirt. We'll make sure that's linked up in the show notes. Cuz, thanks so much for hopping I, on. By the way, I think that's the coolest name, man. And I, I know that's been a, a tagline for a long time for you guys, but I mean, that's a cool podcast name. Like, I didn't really have much say in our podcast name and you inherited it. it I did. And, and I inherited it. Yeah. And we're Stuck rolling with it, it at this point. <laughs> I like that. A fistful of dirt. That's, that's bad. Fistful of dollars is one of my favorite uh, Clint Eastwood Westerns. There, there you go. Being an old soul. The, uh, <laughs> yeah, the fistful of dirt, it, it was an ad way back in the day, but it's got so many hidden meanings to that. Lauren and Toxie came up with that deal. And Chris Holly is all good. Like I say, it's, it is that podcast world's pretty competitive and you know, we just got into it, like I say, to kind of kind of talk about our brand. But I think if somebody listens to it, they'll get they'll get in like this coming Tuesday is Mark Drury, and that's kind of fitting. A great Father's Day 
thing right after Father's Day, but we got some pretty interesting guests on there, and I, I can usually get them to unveil some pretty cool stuff, That especially if you're into hunting and some of those people. Uh, you know, the second one we ever did was uh, a gentleman – his name's Randy West. He's a two-star general from the Marine Corps, and uh, he does so much with wounded vets, but he's an ordained minister, and I asked him about getting ordained, and he started telling the war stories about why he got ordained. All of a sudden, my draws dropped open going, I had, I've been knowing this guy, this man, for 25 years, never heard that. Wow. So, again, it's more about stories and character and and people's struggles and inspirational things than it is how to. So it's a little different, but I think in that podcast world, you need to be a little different. So, yeah. I'm, hey, we've, we've learned a lot from you guys, but the main thing, and, and Lauren's always hitting me with that switch on the back going more quality. It's got to sound like this, but uh, I think the story part's important. And uh, I, I'm very thankful y'all would let me come on and talk about it. Because you guys certainly have a great podcast. No, I, I I'm glad you could come on. That's and when when I started seeing you guys promoting it, I'm like, we need to we need to have them on and talk about this because I know it's going to be a quality podcast and something that our our listeners and viewers uh, will will you know gravitate towards. So anyhow, we we appreciate you coming on, and I think. I don't know that we've had a, another guest on as much as we've had Cuz on, and I'm 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 happy about that. I we need I to mean, pay. I, I want. We need to pay him. We need to get paid. What are you talking about? <laughs> that would be sweet. <laughs> Who's getting paid in this t- in yeah. this industry? <laughs> that's right. Who's getting paid? Well, look. Before I leave, I want to wish everybody a happy Father's Day. I know that's a big deal, and uh, uh, I don't know if the, all the Drury's will end up on a boat on the lake or something. But I, I have a feeling. Y'all have something planned, Tim. I hope you have a great weekend as well. Uh, thank you guys for thinking about us. And hey, I'm always close as a phone call. And I'm going to, when we get the whole three way thing hooked up, I'm going to get you guys to come on our podcast and we're going to talk about how to do it right. We'd love that. Oh, boy. We'd love right. that. We'll talk about hee haw. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> All Thanks, right. Cuz. Well, we appreciate you, man. Enjoy. Thank you. Happy Father's Day. All right. Well, that's another podcast in the books with the legendary customer. There's a reason why he's been on as many times as That's he right. Has. I love it. It's I love best. it. All right. Till next time. Thanks for watching out. slash listening. Peace out.